December 3rd. Now as we turn our attention to the narration of the New Testament. Today we'll be reading from the book of 1 John, chapter 3, verses 7 through 24. Deliberate sin is a serious thing, as we shall find out as we read in this chapter. When you deliberately sin, you grieve the heart of the Father, who loves you and has a wonderful future planned for you. And you grieve the Savior, who died for you and delivered you from the power of Satan. Deliberate sin grieves the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and gave you a new birth. You have a new nature and a new Father. Therefore, you should live a new life. Well, to John, lack of love is the same as hatred, and hatred is the moral equivalent of murder, according to Matthew chapter 5. Deliberate sin also grieves God's people, because we cannot minister to them as we should if we're not walking in love and in the light. So strive to have a heart that's right before God and men. Ask God to use you to be an encouragement and help to others. Love is more than a matter of words. And now let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. December 3rd, 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 24. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it is because they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy these works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not sin, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they have been born of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not obey God's commands and does not love other Christians does not belong to God. This is the message we have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was right. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Christ gave up His life for us, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. But if anyone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before the Lord, even if our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, 
and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our conscience is clear, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive whatever we request because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments live in fellowship with Him, and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who walk according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who walk according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind that is set on the flesh is death. And the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God really dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the one, the Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through the Spirit that dwells in you. So brothers, we are debtors, but not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He has not given us a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He has given us the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. When we do that, the Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if we suffer with Him in order that we might be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will re be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the whole creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of Him who subjected it in hope that the whole creation will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know 
that the whole creation has been groaning together like pains of childbirth and not the creation only. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, even we also groan, waiting our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In that hope, we were saved. And who hopes for what he sees? But if you hope for what you do not see, you wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know all things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. What are we going to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? Who's going to bring him a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's going to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, who was raised from the dead. Yes, who is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, we are being killed all day long. We are carrying the sheep we slaughter. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 122, verses 1 through 9. Let us go. Do you really rejoice when you have opportunity to go to God's house and worship Him? We today can travel easily to a place of worship, but the ancient Jews had to walk a long distance. Yet the pilgrim was happy to go to God's house. And let us praise how the people loved Jerusalem. It was a holy place because the temple was there, an honored place because David's throne was there, and a happy place because the tribes were there to celebrate the greatness and goodness of God. And let us pray. We'll read about that. Do you pray for the peace and prosperity of the people in your local house of God? Do you pray for God's people Israel? There can be no peace in our world until the Prince of Peace rules his people and there is peace in Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verses 1 through 9. A song for the ascent to Jerusalem. A psalm of David. 
I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. And now we are standing here inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city, knit together as a single unit. All the people of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, as the law requires. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Proverbs 29, verse 1 Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be broken beyond repair.